Hey there, Mike Stelzner coming to you with a fascinating update you might not be familiar with. Did you know that Social Media Examiner can deliver all the marketing, training, news, and trends, insights that you need into your inbox three days a week when you sign up for our newsletter and it's completely free? Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates and take your marketing to the next level. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm excited about today's show. Today, I'll, I'll be joined by Martin Shervington, a Google Plus marketing expert. We're going to explore how to be successful with Google Plus marketing, if I can only say the word Google. I'll also share a new discovery with you. Now on to that really cool discovery. After mediating a crocodile family dispute, look at what Michael Stelzner discovered. Do you have a hard time remaining focused? If you're like me, you got a lot on your plate, whether you're the owner of your company or whether you're a marketer trying to manage all the crazy things that you have to manage as a marketer, it's really hard to remain focused. And my good friend Cliff Ravenscraft recently turned me on to an awesome new tool that really works. And it's a website and an app, and it's called Focus at Will. And you can check it at check it out at focusatwill.com. And basically the way it works is it employs neuroscience along with music to actually allow you to really remain focused. It's totally free. They do have a paid version. Um, I simply went in. I think I used my Facebook account to create a, a login, and I clicked the play button. Now, let me go ahead and let you hear a little bit about what it sounds like. This is the way it always starts out, and then it starts playing some music, and you're probably even being calmed right now as you hear this music. Now, you can pick different genres, like there's classical, and then there's up-tempo, which I'm going to play for you right now. And depending on what kind of work you're doing, this may or may not be useful. Then there's ambient, which is a little kind of new agey, other world kind of sound. And they've got all sorts of different sound effects. They've got acoustical, cinematic, ADHD beta test, which is kind of interesting. I'll let you hear that. A little bit too crazy for me. But here's the cinematic. So the moral of the story is, I typically go with the classical music and I just let it run in the background, kind of like what you're hearing right now. And for whatever reason, supposedly there's some neuroscience behind all this and it just allows you to completely focus on the task at hand. I've only been using it for a couple of days, but I got to tell you, I have been getting an enormous amount of work done. So I strongly recommend you check it out. It's really helped me enormously. You can check it out at Focus at will.com and like i said there's a free version and then there is a like a two dollar 95 cents a month version which lets you get access to some other music did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week you won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates 
With that, let's transition over to today's expert interview. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I'm very excited to be joined by Martin Shervington. If you don't know who Martin is, he's a Google Plus marketing expert and a consultant and an executive coach. He manages two Google Plus communities, Plus Your Life and Plus Your Business, and has also authored numerous books, including Developmental Coaching. Martin, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Mike. Today, Martin and I are going to talk about Google+. We're going to talk about what your business needs to know about it and how to be successful with it. So, Martin, let's hear a little bit about the story of what drew you into Google+, and, and maybe what it's done for you. Well, I started on the 6th of March, 2012, and I had a book that I was looking to promote, which was developmental coaching. I thought I could start on Twitter again, and I'd left it a little while, and I'd kind of been a bit, bit neglectful uh, in that direction. I thought I'm going to give this Google Plus thing a go, even though I know that people are saying it's a bit quiet and what have you. So anyway, so I, I got involved and spent three days going down what turned out to be an enormous rabbit hole, an incredible rabbit hole, and a wonderful journey of learning just about everything I could about the whole platform and and beyond, as I'll explain. And after a few days, I went, this is, this is really useful. Um, I should start making notes. Mm. And so I started notes, and people related to them. People enjoyed them. People started to, to share them around and, and say, this is good. You're, you're codifying some of the processes that we're using in order to, to get more engagement, for people to um, connect with us, and, and really to have a, a good social experience. And that's what I've spent the last oh, 20 months doing. And I've built two communities, uh, as you mentioned, One Plus Your Life, which is very much inspiration, personal development, and, and the life side of things. And the other one is Plus Your Business, uh, which is how to use Google Plus in business. And we're going to get to the community development side a little in a little bit, but um, how did it help your book? It, it Really, what it helps me to do is to find an audience. And it wasn't just that book. It allowed me to start blogging. I mean, the way that the journey really for me was I blogged within the platform. And this meant that I just kindled any interest, anybody that would listen to me at the time, because it, this is how I think you start with the audience. You, you begin just talking and you begin blogging. In fact, the, begin, the start, first stage is to engage with other people, which we can come on to. But once you've got a little bit of attention, I found that I was being shaped by the interactions I was having. And so I'd be writing more on the psychology of marketing, the psychology of engagement. And this, I, I, it was amazing because the content was arising then with the people that I was around. So the book sales, yeah, there's some book sales. But more than that, I found that I was able to express much more who I was in my writing than I'd ever been be able to, than ever before, really, than ever God, I yeah. can say that sentence once. How do I say that sentence? Um, <laughs> you said it right. Martin, you yeah. said you were blogging within the platform. Do you yeah. mean that you were actually using the platform as your blog? Can you explain what you meant by that? Yeah, absolutely. Initially, in order to get the most engagement from the content, I would just blog within. And I'd write sometimes a thousand words, sometimes more, which are pretty long blogs, um, with, as Google Plus posts. Mm. Now, this enabled me to hold attention as soon as people saw it, they would read it, as opposed to having to click and then go to my site and maybe feeling I was going to try and get them to sign up to a newsletter or anything like that. And it just allowed me to 
Um, find the people and hold the attention of the people that like the stuff I was doing. Because that's the thing with Google+, Plus is it's a global network, a bit like Twitter, but there's a different community feel. Certainly um, back in, in, in those days, in, in the earlier days, it was very easy to connect with the people who are the main influencers on Google+, Plus now. And the support that I got was phenomenal. And I believe that that culture is still very much there. So it, it transformed, well, actually, the next step, what happened is that I then said, okay, now I'm going to start blogging on my site because I can move the attention away. I mean, I had, I was finding 40 people share or, you know, I was getting maybe 100 people plus one. And then little by little, up till today, I managed to build an audience. And as of today, I have, I think, 36,000 people a month look at my blog which is on Google Plus content, marketing, uh, and the like. That's awesome. And you've been able to use Google Plus to drive a lot of traffic, obviously, to that blog. Absolutely. Well, the, the, the two mechanisms are one of which is social, which is very much what people think Google Plus is. But then you've got this other aspect, which is search. So there's a very, very long tail on a lot of the content that sits in Google search. And I can explain the mechanisms a little bit, which is why Google is unique. Yeah, let's uh, talk about that. Talk about that yeah. a little bit. You know, okay. what's the connection between search and social when it comes to Google Plus that's used distinctly there for Google, but not with other platforms? Yeah. So the punchline to this is that Google Plus is Google. And Without saying that, there is no joke. <laughs> that is just the punchline. And what you find is that people think of Google Plus as this social destination and you put posts out and people engage and maybe some people go through to your website. But actually, all of that content, if it's public, gets indexed for Google search. And based upon your well, who you have in your network, which is very much your personalized settings if you're using Google Plus, uh, Google.com, or if you... Um, if you have Google authorship set up, we're starting to get into something else, you'll find that your image appears alongside that content and it surfaces for the people that are within your network and it surfaces generally. And what you'll find is that the search engine becomes a personalized um, content surfacer based upon the, who you're connected with, and what you've interacted with in the past and what your current searches are. So when you take all of this into account, Google Plus becomes a way of getting content to surface in search. So this is social SEO. This is a way of getting posts, which get engagement, to then appear in Google search. So I found that a lot of the content that people are clicking on the search is creating the traffic to my website. So even though I don't blog so much from martinshermanton.com anymore, the content is still getting, at the moment, 29,000 unique visits a month from the 36 is coming from Google search. Yeah, because and, all the content is sitting there. Yeah. You know, and we've found, for example, if you Google social media examiner and you have a Google Plus account, you will see actually in the sidebar our most recent uh post on our Google Plus page, which obviously, once we realized that, we made sure that um, when we did post, we would post in batches. So for example, um, we might post a third party article and then follow it short while later with a link to our own site, because what we didn't want to do <laughs> is have um, someone see a link to someone else's site when they actually searched for Social Media Examiner. But, you know, the search benefits are amazing. And we're going to get in that a little bit. But I want to back up for a second, Martin, 
and ask you um, to share some of the size and reach of Google Plus because I'm sure a lot of people are wondering how big really is it? Do you know any of the statistics? Can you share anything with us? Yeah, the latest stats are, I believe, there are a billion Google accounts. Now, because Google Plus is Google, they've taken the YouTube accounts, they've taken the Google Plus accounts, they've taken your Gmail accounts, they've taken everything and put it into one. And that's the big figure, that's the billion. Now, they're saying there's 540 million active users, of which there's 300, and this is according to Google, there's 300 million active in the stream, which means they're actually using the Google Plus platform. But this is really where that we can explain that Google Plus is Google a little more, is we think about it, We've got the social destination, which is what most people think of as Google+. Then we're talking about search. So we, we're saying that content appears in search, in particular if it's public. Then there's the second biggest search engine in the world, which is YouTube. And then we have the predominant smartphone uh, software, which is Android, which is Google. Then we have a look at Drive, which is the cloud-based uh, system, really, for collaborative working. Um, and I mean, now, if people aren't using Drive, it's an incredible thing, and it's very much blended within Google Plus as well. Formerly known have, as Docs. It, for, absolutely, yeah. And then you've got Google Maps and Google AdWords, Google AdSense, um, and then you've got tools like Google Hangouts as well as Blogger. All of this has the Google Plus principles because it's a social layer that goes throughout all of these things. So you see that plus one button, Mike, that you, you've got on your site and you've got it on the, um, the Google Plus posts, and then you start to see it other places as well. And you see it in, in Google Play, which is um, uh, the way you can get games and, and, and movies and so on. All of this is Google+. And when, people, when the penny drops, you suddenly go, Struth, this is enormous. So the user figures, really, it's it, the engagement, if they're saying 300 million active in the stream, that's not bad going. But what we're going to find is we're at the two-and-a-half-year mark now. I'd say in another year's time that everybody's going to go, wow, Google have done something amazing here. Because I think that's the experience that you have when you realize that Google+, Plus is Google. Yeah, and just to kind of give an analogy, um, Facebook attempts to try to do this with a lot of their um, Facebook's login and stuff like that. But the fact is that um, nearly everybody that I'm aware of has some sort of a Google account somewhere that they're using for some purpose. And the fact that Google is trying to unify all this under the Google Plus profile is something you cannot ignore. Now, Martin, you've been hanging out for a long time intimately with the Google Plus community. Is there any difference between the users of Google Plus, the active users, and those of other social networks that you've noticed in particular? Like, for example, with Pinterest, we know it's predominantly female. Any particular kind of um, generalizations you can make about the users of the Google Plus platform? I think until fairly recently, everybody's fairly geeky. Um, including myself, we're kind of obsessed with new things and tech. And any time a change happens, I don't know for you, for you, but when a change happens on Facebook, people are usually, no, it's change. We don't like change. Right. Uh, whereas with Google Plus, it's like, wow, they've got a new feature. What was happening? And, and everybody runs around it and gets very excited. And I think that people that have been attracted to the new are the ones that have been there. But what's really come out, I think, and it's, is how community forms. And the community has been one which is, and it has to be because it's a new product. People have to support each other. And it really is an incredibly positive environment. And it doesn't matter if people are looking at science or they're looking at arts or they're looking at Star Wars. 
it, the communities are forming around those interest groups phenomenally well and the engagement is very high. And, and that's been my experience and that's why so many of us are so excited to spend our time there is that we feel part of it. Well, the other thing is it's an ad-free network. We should talk about that a little bit, which well, is kind of absolutely. surprising. So I'm glad you brought that up because in the last day, it's the ads, there are no ads within Google+. There is now a, I don't know if you heard this, Mike, this is the, the big news. There, Google are doing a beta test that allows Google Plus posts from a brand page to appear within their display network, which is the two million odd sites that have Google AdSense on, essentially. And then this allows, if somebody hovers over it, the whole post appears and they can, appear, and they can the person can plus one, can comment, can share that post. So suddenly the entire web which of all those sites that has uh, the, the Google AdSense on will be available as the stream. So the content that people have suddenly can reach out beyond. I mean, this is this is how Google. This is a big it. deal, and I think but we should talk about this for a minute. Big deal. Yeah, it's a really yeah. big deal because here's you know I, I use Google Plus, and one of the nice things about Google Plus is the way that they've integrated the Google Plus experience into all their different platforms. For example, when I'm on YouTube, um, and someone posts on my personal profile on Google Plus, um, I can actually see all the comments leave a comment without leaving YouTube. It just does it in this little pop-down thing on the sidebar. So essentially what they've done is they've layered in the Google Plus experience on top of wherever you are without leaving wherever you are, which is very unusual and I think very brilliant. Don't you agree? Uh, it, it's genius. It's absolute genius. And I'm glad you said about the YouTube comments. I mean, that happened around about a month ago and a lot of YouTubers found that challenging because they felt that Google was taken over really and it's it's just that google does own youtube and this has always been really the plan but what you find is that you can really increase your reach by having the two things work together i use youtube a lot and i think from a marketing perspective it's awesome because it's great content you can, you can be snappy with it and now when people share well when people comment on youtube it automatically the default is that it posts a an actual post into Google Plus just by that comment. Yeah. So people have got a network, it starts to spread that content. And this is this is because the integration, it's like no other network. And it, it, it's it's a big deal. I mean, um, just so people understand this, um, you know, like I post posted a video on Friday and um, people started leaving comments on my video and now Google slash YouTube requires that when you leave a comment, you're using your Google Plus profile. All of a sudden, as they leave a content a comment, the video is now being propagated off to their friends, and then they leave comments, and it just causes the thing to share like crazy. From a marketing perspective, I think it is really awesome. So, you know, it's obvious that where Google is trying to take its everything that it's doing is, you know, back to Google Plus. And and the fact that you don't have to go to this person's page to interact, but it can just be in this little drop down on a sidebar while they're still on YouTube or frankly, any other, you know, Google search or whatever. Uh, I think it's really, really awesome. Um, I do want to ask you, um, you, you manage some Google plus communities. Tell me a little bit about um, your experience managing these communities and any tips or techniques or anything you can share for those that might be wondering whether they should start a community. 
Yeah, there are two sorts of communities uh, on Google Plus, one of which is private and the other one is public. And they're very different natures. The main difference, if people are choosing, and this is just to give a bit of a tip because it really does make a difference. If, if you choose a private community, it means that you can't share the content out of that community. It stays in so that it is private. If it's public, it gets indexed by Google Search. So if somebody's looking at starting one, it depends totally on the outcomes that they're, they're seeking. So you can have both, and you can have as many communities as you want, but they're very different natures. And what I say is if people are starting, then don't start by getting the communities. Don't say, right, after listening to this, I'm going to run and start a Google Plus community. The, the place to start is with your profile. Start building up a little bit of a network and understand Google Plus first. Because once you do that, and this is my experience of, of building two communities, I have around about 11,000 people in plus your life and about 5,000 in plus your business. It, by building them up over time, first they take a lot of effort and you want to make sure that you choose like the right name. Because at 500 um, people that are members, you can't change the name anymore. So little things like this make a big difference long term. Wow. And you can't just risk and think, oh, I'm going to start a, I don't know, <laughs> a, a bread shop community. And they think, oh, I want to change it to uh, you know, something that does knitting. You, you haven't got that option. So when you build a community, you're, you're making it about those people. And that's, it's a commitment. You know, I work for the communities on Google+. Can you describe for people that are not familiar with communities how they compare maybe to LinkedIn groups or, you know, other kinds of communities on the other social networks? Yeah, I actually asked a few people recently because this this came up. It's like, why should we look at communities? You know, LinkedIn works well for our networking. And I said, well, if you imagine, where do you do business? Do you do it when you're on the golf course or do you do it when you're at the coffee shop? When you're casually chatting with people, is that where you really build relationships? Or do you do it networking? And when people look often it's in the casual environments it's the places where they're relaxed that they connect with people the most and i think that's the thing that google plus has given is the ability to move throughout a multitude of communities that that where you have your interests it's not just about business and you can go and talk business and my the business community that i have we will talk business but we also are people that sit behind it with different interests and because we have profiles people can see that we're broader and I think that's the one big difference with LinkedIn is that there's much less self-promotion. There's much more um, approach of, of how, well, how can I help is, is very much the attitude. And then people say, hey, I want to work with you. I want to do this. And this is happening all of the time. The opportunity is, is about people. And it's being able to shift away from thinking that the, the group or the community is going to be the answer to getting business. It's actually to do with the connections. These things are just vehicles that allow us to meet and to connect and to spend time and to relate. So really a Google plus community is simply a forum, right? Where you have discussions. Can you have like within your group, can you have multiple forms of discussion or how does it work a little bit just so people might understand? Yeah, it, it's kind of, it's sort of a forum, sort of not. It's actually very content driven because people can share in a public community. Anybody can share content into that community. Assume they remember. Now that means that, Firstly, there's moderation to be done, and there's got, you know, quite a lot of that. But there are ways, if you're looking at communities, here's a big tip, make sure your guidelines are really solid because that makes a big difference. It's a lot easier as a bouncer on the door to have rules that you, you know, somebody can't turn, in, turn up with without a... I don't know if you have these things in America. I mean, you live, you live by the coast, don't you, Mike? But, um, oh, yeah, well, you still have to wear shoes and a shirt to get in. Yeah, shoes and a shirt. You have to have that stuff. And it's the same sort of thing is that you set the rules and you decide on, on, on who can come in and how 
how they can behave. But the actual structure of it, because people can share their posts into communities, it gives the community energy. And if people relate to that, they can share that content back out, just like you're talking about the YouTube comments, back out into another network. And this drives more people into the community. It really allows content to flow. You've got to remember, when we're talking about public content, this is about Google search as well. And this is about social SEO. So you can use communities in a way which you couldn't consider using LinkedIn because Google Plus relates to search. Mm. So that's another big thing is that communities themselves can appear in Google search and do. That's and if you have a very strong community on a subject matter, then it's likely that you're going to end up with a very good position in Google search. Let's talk about, I'm sure some people listening right now are wondering whether or not it makes more sense to develop out their Google Plus company page versus a community page. And, and maybe even more importantly, how does it in fact impact how it shows up in the newsfeed? So for example, do people... Is there any advantage to a group versus a page when it comes to showing up in an individual user's feed? Okay, let's dump in at the point of profile. Let's talk about the three things, profile, page, and, and communities. The, the first thing to do is to build your personal network, even if it's only to a few hundred people. That's really the first thing. Once you've done that, you'll understand a lot more the culture and what's, what's expected and what not to do. Because one thing you don't want to do is turn up at the party and start talking about yourself all the time. Right. The, the first thing you want to do is turn up to the party and go, hey, who are you? What do you do? Right, I'm really interested. This is cool. I like this here. And, and that takes a little while to get into. But that's the, yes, that's, that's the, the part about Google Plus that's wonderful is that people will be welcomed. And once you've done that, then looking at the page, if you have a business, then it's a lot easier to build your page once you've got your personal network built because you can share content from your page to your personal profile. With a community, when it's appropriate, you can share your content from your profile into a community as long as the guidelines are okay. So that gives you an outlet for your own profile content. And you can do the same thing for a page. Now, all of this flows into people's streams dependent upon their settings. So they don't even have to go into the community in order to see that content if they're sitting in front of the computer or on their phone and watching it flow down in their Google Plus stream, a bit like the Twitter feed in that way or, or, or the news feed for Facebook. So there's a mechanism of flowing things around, which once people understand that it begins with building your network, it's a lot easier. Now, some people say, but I don't want to build my personal profile. I just want to build a brand page. How do I do it? Go, Great, you can do that. And it takes a little longer, but a great tip is when you post from your page or when you're posting a comment in particular from your page on somebody else's content is to say your name. Say, hey, this is Mike. Um, and people will relate to you as a person that's sitting behind that brand. Oh, yeah. We always sign all of our updates like whoever the community manager is that posted yeah. it. And it helps people go, oh, it's a real person. They're not just trying to push their brand upon you, particularly when it's a brand that they don't know. When it's a big brand, it's like a celebrity turning up at the party then. You know, you go, oh, look, there's Cadbury. That's wonderful. And, and, and you know, it's fun. I mean, it's the same thing when, when you see these uh, talks on Twitter. So I think that there is a process, but it begins with the profile. And if people just, as I say, just even a few hundred people in the network will make a tremendous difference how they can flow content around. 
Yeah, and one little tip that I'll give people, especially if you have a website or a blog, is to put the Google Plus follow widget on your website, which will allow someone who's a fan with the click of a button to follow you on Google Plus, presuming they have a Google Plus account. And, you know, we found that to be very effective. And I don't know, Martin, if you do that as well or recommend that, but it's just a great way to um, passively, you know, essentially grow your following if you've got a nice traffic source coming already to your website. Would you agree, Martin? I agree. I, I think you brought up something else there as well, which is the, the first thing is the follow button. Absolutely brilliant. It's not passive though, Mike. Actually, you get notified as the brand who followed. And that means you can go and you can follow them back. You can plus them on their content. You can go to the profile. You can interact with them. You've suddenly got somebody as a real person you can go and connect with. And, and you can put them into circles. You can share those circles, which is getting into, into a little bit of a tactic there. But you can make them feel special. And you can build your brand advocates. Well, let's so talk about that. The, yeah, let's talk yeah. about that. What are some things that, because um, some people that are listening right now probably have Google Plus pages. What are some things that we should be doing to make our followers or fans or whatever you call them um, feel more like they're part of a community? Well, if they are interacting on your posts, I mean, the, the first thing to do is if somebody plus ones your content, you can say to them, hey, thanks for the plus one. That's like the lowest level of, of, of almost, it's not like begging for the attention, but, you, but you're you know, respectfully saying thanks for the plus one. If they leave a comment, you can leave a comment. If they share your content, this is when we take it up a gear, you can go to the post that they shared and you can plus one that post, which is your post. So you actually plus one your post again. It happens to be the share of your post, and you can thank them for it. It's like a thumbs up on Facebook, really. It's it's, yeah, absolutely. And then you can add them into a circle, and you can, if you wanted to, plus one more of their comment in the future, or content in the future. Or you could, and I mentioned this just a moment ago, you could share that circle saying, hey, these are the fans of, and then whatever the subject matter is. And I'm working with one client at the moment, and it's a big biker community that they're involved in. And they're looking at Yamaha and Honda and all of these different bikes. And we're saying, why don't we actually focus and find the true fans of each of these bikes? And let's share those circles. Let's, let's bring those people together and make them feel special to be part of that tribe. And it's those kind of approaches. When you start to, to see that this is a blank canvas that you paint upon on Google+, you decide how to use your circles. You decide how much engagement you give. When you work it, it really is a part of the system. When you work the system to suit your business, the engagement goes up. And this is what happens. All of these processes that you use are about getting engagement up, and that allows for A, people to then connect to your brand, B, people then to click links within the posts, particularly if you use big picture posts, which is another big tip if you're looking at just um, social traffic. Um, People click the links, and you get visitors to your website, and you can track all of that. Then the C is that if you use embedded links, which is getting a little bit techy, but it means that you drop a link in, then when people plus one that content, when people share that content, it really gives a strong social signal, which Google pick up, which then indicates to Google search that this content may well be surfacing, well, may well be worth surfacing in the future to people. And that's where the social SEO really starts to come in. Okay, a couple questions related to this. Um, Mm. You talked about the embedded links. Um, Does it make sense when we post links, for example, to our blog post to let the content be auto-populated by Google Plus, or does it make more sense to actually instead upload an image 
uh, in order to drive traffic to to a link? So the, these are the two different approaches, one of which I call a picture post and the other one is the, the embedded link. And it, it, I use both and it all depends. I'm currently doing some SEO tests, which I spend quite a bit of time trying to work this one out. And we haven't got a definitive do it this way. But I know from the results that I get, I will always embed the link because you can't cheat that one. Gotcha. You can't, for instance, put a really pretty picture, get lots of people plus one in the share in it, and actually the link be irrelevant. So you can't almost like picture bait it. So I believe that the embedded link is more trustful from the algorithm's point of view because it, in order to change it, you, well, you can't change it. You just remove it. So my view is the really important social stuff that you want to get into search, or really important stuff you want to get into search, use the embedded link. However... I didn't start like that. And this is a, a, a journey. It takes a while. And I certainly wouldn't recommend going after the, uh, the, the search engine results if you're, if you're approaching it that way right off the bat. The first thing to do is to learn the platform to get engagement and to get people to love what you do. And when you find your 50 to 100 people that are engaging with you all of the time, sharing your content all of the time, you'll find that it naturally arises in search. But I definitely, I favor the embedded links over the picture post for the critical content. And I've got some really nice positions in search, which is where my traffic comes from, by using this approach. Now, um, one thing I've begun to notice is that for whatever reason, it seems to give preferential treatment on the embedded links to a YouTube video, if there's a YouTube video in your, in your post, it, you know, you know how, when you embed a link, you get three, it, it, Google plus automatically seems to select the three images that it thinks are the best choices. And it seems like the first choice is always a YouTube video and then whatever's after that. And I'm just curious, do you know whether or not there's certain size, like, does it look for the biggest image? How does it decide which images are the ones that should be shown or not shown when you're linking to a post? Do you have any clue on that one or no? I, 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 if it's coming from your website, then I believe it's your settings on your website, not the Google+. There's a little arrow, it's a little tiny tip here. There's a little arrow when you put it in that if you've got any other images uh, that relate to that link, you can actually flip through them when you hover over. I only found this. In fact, it was Peg Fitzpatrick, if you ever hears this, that, that showed me this one. So you can actually change those images as well. Yep. And, and, and I know you can. And um, it, it seems to be limited to three for whatever reason. And it also, yeah. it also yeah. doesn't seem to pull in, like in the olden days, it used to pull in a little bit of copy, but now it seems to just pull the link and it the does. image. Absolutely, yeah. Is that a change the, the, that's recently? Change and stuff. Yeah, okay, yeah. good. What about hashtags? Um, what's your thoughts? Because I seem to see it automatically assigning hashtags to posts. Is this becoming a bigger part of Google Plus? Well, hashtags serve a, a few purposes, one of which is it allows you to search so you within google plus search and actually in google search you can use the hashtags so you can it, it helps you to to find content but what's also happening is there's auto tags now on posts and this has been for, for a few months so google looks at the content and decides on the hashtag for itself mm. now that's interesting because it can look at an image an example like at the eiffel tower and without you doing anything it will hashtag the eiffel tower so it's become intelligent on the content that you're posting. Now, what this allows you to do as a, as a user is click on that hashtag and it flips the cards on Google Plus and allows you to find other related content. From a marketing point of view, you can find people who are posting this stuff. Even if they're not using hashtags, you've still got this available to you to go out and to find the people, if, if you're a brand, um, that you're looking for influencers. 
then you can find the people that are posting the content and the people who are getting the most engagement on that content as well. So, we so sh- hashtags are a great way of searching. Gotcha. And we should, as marketers, use hashtags or you're just saying Google's going to use one if we don't anyways? I, I personally would tend to use three myself. And if Google wants to chuck an extra couple in there, then I'm quite happy. Okay. But, see, I think three is the max anyway. But I, I don't overdo the hashtags. But yeah, absolutely, no, we should use them for sure. Talk to me about how do you know what works? I mean, does does Google Plus provide any kind of metrics considering Google Analytics is part of Google Plus or part of Google in general? Like, how do you know what works? Is there some sort of insights or analysis that that Google Plus provides its, you know, page administrators so they kind of know what works and what doesn't? At present, they are very light on that for page managers. Mm. Um, people are saying that that potentially now with the change of the ad system that we were talking about earlier, that that could lead to a lot more analytics. But we know what works. We can tell exactly what works by measuring, A, do people go to the site, and B, do they do the behavior that we're hoping for when they're at the site? I'm very A and B today, aren't I? You can tell it's quite late in the UK. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Google (laughs) Analytics does track Google Plus too, so you can go into Google Analytics and kind of determine if your traffic is coming from Google Plus. Yeah, absolutely. The difficult thing is is actually then looking at specific posts. But if you can look at the engagement, you can use uh, shortened URLs and track it that way. So if you're using Bitly or if you're using um, the Google Shortener. So you can specifically look, did that link lead to that particular action on the site. But I believe we're going to get a tremendous amount more analytics that will come out over the coming years. And this is still, Google keeps telling us, this is early days. Gotcha. This is just the beginning. Awesome. All right. I can't let you go without talking about Google authorship because I know you mentioned it earlier. I'm um, glad you brought that yeah, up. Yeah. Give, give me the quick skinny on what it is and what marketers need to know about it. Okay. Google authorship connects the content that you create to your Google Plus profile. So that could be content that you create within Google Plus, or it could be content on uh, another person's website, or it could be on your website. And it enables your image, which you have to have a headshot, you have to have a, a, a clear headshot, and it has to be tagged with your name, but it allows that to be attached to it in Google Search. So you, you see, if you, if you search for things like what is Google Plus, you'll notice there's lots of people that have got authorship set up because their pictures appearing alongside that content. Now, this is brilliant from a branding point of view because it means that people consistently see your face. It's a bit like um, walking down the street and seeing somebody over and over, eventually say, hey, I, I, I've seen you around. And from a marketing point of view, that's what you want. You want familiarity. You want trust. So Google authorship is an, a must, really, if you're looking at marketing using Google. And, you know, the other thing is your content can stand out from those that don't have it, right? Because Absolutely. Well, it increases click-through rate. That's what's also found. Yeah. How do you activate Google authorship? Is it simple or is it complex? Or what, are your, what's the, what do people need to do to make it work? It ha- there has to be a two-way link. If it's from your website, you need a two-way link. So one way is so you put your photo and you, you tag, tag that it's you on Google+, which is very straightforward. You then have to put either the Google Plus badge on your website or you put a little bit of code uh, that allows it to be seen that you've connected your profile to that website. And and as you mentioned in that, the Google Plus badge sets up something similar for the Google Plus page, uh, sorry, the Google Plus page badge. The page has something called rel equals publisher markup, which is the sort of equivalent to authorship, but for pages. Absolutely. And that's the same sort of process with the two-way link. 
Awesome. Well, Martin, I know that um, it's late for you, but you have been an incredible fount of knowledge when it comes to Google+. If people want to discover more about you and your blog and anything else you're doing, where would you want to send them? Well, the business is plusyourbusiness.com, and there's an enormous amount of free resources there, including free courses on Google+. And my blog, which is a little bit more personal, is martinshervington.com. And most of all, I'm on Google+. So if you look at Martin Shervington, You'll find me there. So plus is spelled out, right? P-L-U-S, yourbusiness.com. And Martin Shervington, S-H-E-R-V-I-N-G-T-O-N. Martin, thank you so much for taking time out of your day today. I really greatly appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Martin. That's wonderful. Really enjoyed it. Well, I hope you got a lot out of that interview with Martin. If you missed anything that we talked about, we take extensive show notes for you at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 73, which basically will get you to the point where you can um, check out all the links that we talked about, see a lot of the abstracts from today's interview, and also uh, leave your comments. Also want to ask a favor, if you've been a regular listener to the podcast, uh, I would love it if you visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash love. This will populate a tweet in your Twitter stream, letting your friends know about the podcast, and I would be very grateful. And I'll also reply and say thank you. Well, this does bring us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week with another great episode. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day, and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.